0: Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a monthly gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha.
1: I'm Josh Skalecki.
2: And I'm Clint Jones.
0: And this month, we're talking about Celeste, a platformer about climbing up a mountain by Canadian video game developers Matt Thorsten and Joel Berry. Uh, this guy came out in January 2018 on Microsoft Windows, Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One. This is a really cool game, captured a lot of hearts and minds in 2018 winning awards and uh, yeah I really enjoyed it what do you guys think?
1: I had a lot of fun with this game I th- thought it was a very tight platformer very focused which when you're talking about a platformer that's one of the things you're looking at it's, you have real good controls you're able to feel like it's a fair game how about you Clint?
2: to say I liked it would be tough but it was it was a good game um, you guys all play this on Switch right? that's right I did as a whole, it, it was a great experience. It was just... I mean, it was... This has been the theme lately, but it was beyond difficult. This was, like... This was, like, life-alteringly hard. <laughs> like, I wanted oh, to quit this man. game so many times. It's part of the theme of the game, actually, if, if you really think about it, but...
0: It totally is. That's a thats an—that's a good point, and, you know, that was actually one of the reasons I suggested this game, is after, you know, we talked about Sekiro uh, for Long and Hard, and uh, it made me think about other hard games... And, you know, Celeste came to mind I played it and I thought, you know, on top of being a relatively breezy game This generally clocks in at 5 hours Although, Clint, maybe you have something to say about that Took Um, me 9 Wow
1: That's okay, that's okay
0: Uh, I don't mean to condescend
1: We're not discriminating, we're not like, we're so hardcore here
2: No, no, absolutely not I didn't have a Super Nintendo when I was a kid, guys So I missed this whole get good at platformers thing I kind of came in right around Goldeneye So I missed all the Super Mario And I'm paying for it now that's okay. Uh. Clint,
1: now, I've looked at your flavor of games from the ones you selected, and they definitely seem to be more FPS-centric. You'd say you grew up more on the FPS than the platformers?
2: For sure. Yep, so I, I came in right at N64 time, so that was GoldenEye, and that was Ocarina Perfect of Dark. Time. Uh, so, so good. Yeah, Perfect all Dark, those yeah. games. That's why I love RPGs, and I love first-person shooters. That's That was the genre that I kind of came in on. Everything else was just at my friend's house whenever I could
0: people bring a lot of different things to these games and you know on top of the fact that it's relatively breezy and had a a lot of critical success like we said this game did have a lot of sort of important things to say about about mental health and uh, that'll come out when we talk a little bit more about the message of this game and what the developers intended for it Uh, speaking of those guys uh, the developers Matt Thorsten and Noel Berry basically prototype this game over a game jam. This seems to be like a theme of our indie games. They go out, they prototype stuff, pick one they love and stick with it, right?
1: Well, I feel part of that is almost a survivor bias. I mean, yeah, a lot of people try things out at game jams and a lot of stuff doesn't work for those. Game jam, for those of you who haven't heard of it before, it's um where some organization sets a theme, say like small worlds or take this, you'll need it, or some, whatever theme it is. And then you have 48 hours or 72 hours or a week or whatever to come up with a quote-unquote complete game. Um, and obviously the games that start off over here are more prototypes than finished games, but you do see a lot of experimentation in them, and the more successful experiments are more likely to get made into good games afterwards.
2: Yeah, kind of like Hollow Knight, same same kind of story, and oh, that's right. uh, another great experience, another very hard but really good experience that I'm glad I did, but not necessarily while I was playing it.
0: You know what? We need to we need to st- take a step back and play a nice easy game. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> like
1: Cadence of Hyrule, right? Oh God, All right. F well. that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, well, we'll get to this, but you'll um. You'll hit a curve in that where eventually it becomes a lot easier. Um, But anyway, um, this game is basically about a girl who's at a point in her life where she just needs to climb a mountain. Uh, Madeline is the name of the protagonist of this story. She tries to reach the summit of Mount Celeste, and she, on the course of her way up this mountain climbing it, is pursued by sort of her pessimistic side of her personality that's made real by the magic of the mountain.
2: Yeah, and it deals a lot with uh, personal themes like anxiety and things like that. And then just how do you deal with that part of you, which truly, this is probably the best story in a platformer I've ever seen. And it's really simple in the way it's told. And it's kind of, uh, it's very minimalist too, but it's really effective and I really enjoyed it.
1: I think the game is very effective at telling that story in a way that something like, go save the princess in this castle is not. Um, The mountain is very much kind of a metaphor within that. You have to climb that, but also at the same time, Madeline's climbing this mountain. Um, She's also coming to terms with herself and with this part of her that at first is very threatening, chasing after her, seems to be foiling her at every moment. And there's a couple points in the game Where it's not explicit, but implicitly, Madeline is blaming her problems and the state that she's in on this external avatar of herself, this uh, part of herself. But she's able to progress and actually climb the mountain once she comes to peace with that side of herself, once she accepts that and grows because of it, she's able to complete the task she originally set out on. I thought it was a very mature handling of themes that might not have been handled very well in terms of mental um, mental problems, mental illnesses, and things like that.
0: Yeah, it's not something you see tackled in games too often, honestly, and um you know we're we're poor for it i think these are the types of topics that should be explored more often especially because they're so much more relatable than something like you said you know saving the princess not all of us are saving princesses every day but everybody deals with a little bit of anxiety here and there no matter what they're doing every single day um and this game like you said it has character arcs that really perfectly portray that madeline and uh her dark you know side i'll call her badeline um Mm -hmm i think madeline. that's what
1: the internet has been taking to calling her as battling
0: <laughs> that's right so madeline and battling but you um you know the way that they interact and the way their character and relationship arc evolves throughout the game really does speak to a person who's just trying to tackle a very personal problem and like you said the the metaphor here really shines through with the mountain climbing
2: yeah it's kind of funny too this game's all about anxiety and getting over your little fears and uh you guys know this, but the people on the podcast don't. Uh, I was in a near plane crash uh, five, six years ago, and I get crazy anxiety attacks every time I have to get on a plane. Um, it's gotten a lot more manageable now, but man, it used to be terrible. But I actually had to be on eight flights over the past two weeks because I've been going out for new hire training with my new job. And, uh, kind of had a couple freak out moments on the plane and actually playing this game helped me get through that. And it was kind of funny, like the parallels, like I'm having an anxiety attack. This girl's dealing with her anxiety. I'm just trying to get through it. And I'm like, hey, this this actually kind of ties in. It was kind of a cool little personal moment with that game too.
0: Yeah, that's that's wild. Uh, how often do you get to like bring something that you're working through in a game to your actual real life? That is, that is neat. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that's what games should be aiming for, right? Like they should be aiming to... Not necessarily that they set out to help people through something specific, but that they should end up doing that is definitely, I feel like, like a book or a movie or anything else.
0: This game in particular, I think, was aiming for that. You know, these creators clearly had a message. They wanted to talk to people that struggled with dis- anxiety, depression, etc. And I think, you know, as far as we're concerned, they succeeded in that that goal.
2: Oh, for sure.
1: They told a very good story with that. One little mechanical twist... Uh, While we're on the topic of line right here that I thought was really good was the first time you were introduced to her when you're going up to the mirror and the spooky ruins and the mirror cracks and she appears there right in front of you. Um, She's chasing you around after that for the rest of the level but she's following the same path you're you set. She's following the path you're taking just a few seconds behind. Um, And besides being an interesting platforming mechanic in terms of you have to dodge the space you were at five or ten seconds ago or however that is, it's also kind of speaking to how With anxiety, a lot of the times what people do when they have a general anxiety disorder is they reflect a lot on the things they did in the past. They reflect on those things and they're thinking like, this isn't good for me to have done. I shouldn't have done that. And having that explicitly portrayed in the game mechanics where you're sort of reflecting, you're seeing the things you used to do. uh, That was a very interesting twist for me. I thought it was a really nice uh touch by them
0: yeah you're talking about the chase sequences that sort of make up some of the boss encounters or boss quote unquote encounters that you have in this game um and it's a really they're really interesting sequences because you know this game is sort of broken down into a few different types of level basically each screen is basically a level and you make your way through them you know traversing them running jumping climbing, and dashing. Those are your sort of main verbs that you have in this game. Over the course of the game, you are trying to figure out different approaches, conquering different mechanics that the game is continually introducing. A conglomeration of screens sort of makes up a larger level, which in turn... The levels make up the sort of overall story of Madeline climbing this mountain. It's sort of a, a, a story told fractally. You know, it keeps breaking down into smaller and smaller stories as you get into the individual screens being sort of individual stories for how Madeline overcomes a given obstacle.
2: I was gonna say, yeah, that's definitely how they uh, they checkpoint everything too. Everything is, you beat the screen, okay, cool. Now you can move on to the next one. And if you die, you go back to the beginning of the screen. There's there's no, like level at large. Everything is its own little tiny individual challenge, and we've talked about this before, but I think that lends itself really well to the Switch. You can pick it up, you play one screen, cool, that might have taken you 10 minutes, or 20 like it did for me to get through that one little screen, but once you're done, you're done, you move on to the next part, and you go from there.
1: I think one of the interesting things about this was you could focus on pulling off a very tight and controlled combo, so to speak, that Might only be four or five moves long, but gets you to the next checkpoint, to the next save point, and you're good to go from there.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important part, uh, that immediate restart. Some of these games that are extremely hard like this, if you get met with a loading screen every time, that just kills it. But I'm thinking games like Super Meat Boy, uh, obviously Celeste, Hotline Miami, things like that where when, yeah, you die a thousand times, doesn't matter, boom, you're right back in the action, you can go again. That makes it a lot more palatable. Oh,
0: totally. And, you know, that's I think this game starts to get uh, a little bit more friction heavy when you get to those longer sequences that you're being asked to master, uh the boss fights in particular, like the longer they make the screen you're
2: being asked to tackle,
1: the more frustrating it gets. Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
2: It's like that time tax you were talking about, I felt it real bad in this game, especially on the bosses, and I want to bring that up real quick. That was by far the low point of the game. I fucking hated the bosses, especially the, <laughs> uh, the final boss, which should have been a really cool moment. I felt like it was taking forever. And then there was a moment where I thought it was over and then it restarted all over again. I'm like, are you kidding me? Didn't we have enough of this? Like, it was just stupid. Like, I get it. The the last boss has to be the most, you know, you're
0: talking about when you're you're working with or you're trying to confront battle uh, yeah, in. Correct. Yeah. You're the, trying to
2: catch her this time. Instead of her catching you, you're or you're chasing her, chasing, yeah, her. chasing yeah. her. So you can that was hard it. sequence. Yeah, yeah, but it just like hard is fine, but it was just never ending. It was like, dude, we we freaking get it. Just be mm. done with it. I'm ready to move on.
0: Yeah, this game like like you like we were just saying, 98 percent of the checkpointing is really good, and then you know, and the creators have come out and said this is meant to be a challenging game. Uh, and they, they did a lot of things to sort of mitigate that for people that just want to get through and see the story. But at the end of the day, you know, they had a vision for a challenging game. And, well, they succeeded in making it fucking challenging at parts.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's okay. Again, it's, it's almost, it's almost uh, paralleling to itself. Like, if it wasn't hard, if the climb wasn't hard, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be any better for having done it. Like, it's about perseverance and telling yourself you can do something until you get it done. And the game was the exact same way.
1: Well, that's a point of difficulty, right? Like, you climb the mountain not because it's a walk in the park, but because you're climbing a mountain. To prove
2: you can, to yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's actually, it's a lot like actual rock climbing and bouldering. You know, there's, you set the difficulty yourself, and there's other challenges this game incorporates, like the strawberries, the bee sides, all kinds of additional things this game adds in. But, there are hard routes and easy routes in rock climbing and bouldering as well. And you're sort of tasked with determining what you can, you know, take from that and, um, you know, choosing to chart your path accordingly. And I don't know if you guys ever did any rock climbing, but I had access to a really good rock climbing wall in college at the uh, Ohio State University's uh, Adventure Recreation Center.
2: (laughs) That's a mouthful right there.
0: Yeah, it was fun. So uh, you guys know, I think at least you, Josh, know Elliot, Um, our buddy Elliot. He and I used to go rock climbing like every Thursday. And the thing about rock climbing is like each person with their, you know, body type and such has a different advantage. Just like in this game, there's multiple ways to chart a course through a given screen. So Elliot was shorter but stronger than I was. I was taller than he was, but I couldn't scrunch my body into smaller places without falling off the side of the thing. So You know, just like that, you know, different people will take different approaches to different rooms, depending on what they're bringing to the situation.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the ways they adjusted difficulty within this game, because it was much more thought out, maybe than some other games have been. Uh, You could go through the level, you could go through the screens and just make your way through the level. Uh, But there were other things you could do on top of that. There were strawberries that you could collect, little collectibles, and they tell you the only thing this does is it's going to impress your friends later on, but doesn't do anything else. Uh, But you would have to go through more particular platforming challenges in order to get these strawberries. Doesn't advance the story at all or anything like that. Yep.
2: When I saw the strawberries, I went the other way. I was like, (laughs) nope, not this screen. I'm going the other direction.
1: Usually I try like... Maybe three, four times. And if I could understand the screen and think, okay, I know what I got to do to get this, then I'd go for it. But if I was confused about what I was supposed to do, which was didn't happen very often. I thought they had a very intelligent level design in terms of letting you know where you were supposed to go. Uh, it didn't happen very often. But if I was confused about a strawberry, I just left it. I didn't feel bad about it.
0: Yeah, I uh, I didn't get I think I maybe ended with a third of the strawberries or something like that my first time through. And uh, like you said, I got the ones that are mostly happy path. There's some that are just asking quite a bit of you. And like you said, there's no, they say right up front that there's no mechanical payoff for them. So uh, it was pretty easy for me to just opt out
2: of that. Sure. Well, you also mentioned that there's other ways that this game will help you tackle some of that difficulty. Did any of you guys end up using assist mode? I didn't,
0: but I, I really appreciate that it's there. I actually, you know, I've read a lot about like the various options that they included here, and I liked the way they presented assist mode in this game so much that I wanted to just read what it says when you go to assist mode, because I think this is how difficulty should like be handled by a game.
1: Oh, um, what's it say? Yeah,
0: so when you go to assist mode, it says, Assist mode allows you to modify the game rules to reduce its difficulty. Celeste was designed to be a challenging but accessible game. We believe difficulty is essential to the experience. We recommend you play this without assist mode for the first time. However, we understand that each player is different. If Celeste is inaccessible to you due to its difficulty, we hope that assist mode will allow you to still enjoy it. Mwah, perfect. Not insulting, not condescending. Just accepting of what you're bringing there. If you need to do it, go for it.
2: Yeah, I actually, I was very happy that I never turned it on. There was about a hundred times where I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I'd get out of there. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Like <laughs> I, I was so close, especially when I got to the, to the mountain at the end where the checkpointing for once was actually perfect. Like I felt like the checkpointing once you got to the mountain was the summit, the yeah. way it should have been the whole game. Like it was very bite sized. where the rest of the game was just, there were some, most of it was good, but there's some screens. was just like, holy crap. Like you felt like you had to do like 12 different moves in perfect sequence to get it to work right.
0: The Summit was a really good sort of end test for the game, and I think it put on display the game's strengths in in a perfect way. Like you said, it was checkpointed well. There wasn't like any friction with like a, a boss battle and while this game succeeded so much in telling its story through the variation with the boss battles and things they did like we've talked about add that bit of friction when they were asking you to sort of make a big heave to get that big emotional payoff so
1: yeah
2: yeah i, I mean it, it worked it It worked, but it frustrated the hell out of me. And I think it could have been handled a lot better. It was really cool, too, how we talked about there's a ton of level variation. So every, I think there was, what, seven different areas in the game, like main areas. And each one introduced its own mechanic that was only in that particular setting, right? It it didn't repeat later. But the cool thing is, and I'm sure we're past spoilers at this point, but there's a point where you literally fall to the bottom of the mountain and you tell yourself, you know, I can't ever get back up. Everybody falls down. That was another there were so many good like little nuggets in there like everybody falls down but it's how you handle it and do you get back up. And the other one was you can't help people that don't want to be helped. Don't like Mr. Oshiro, like you can't get hung up on other people's problems. If they don't want to be helped, you can't do anything about it. You have to let people heal on their own time. It had like all these like cool little life lessons, which I love throughout the whole game and they didn't like put it right in your face, but they like drew you right to it, which I really love. But anyway, you go to the bottom and you're convincing yourself to go back up, and you like hit a little piece of every, without it being too much, you hit a little piece of every setting on the way back up. And they kind of did the same thing again on the summit, but not to the not to the degree that they did in that uh, in the last climb. And I really liked how they, it's like putting a little bow on it right at the end.
1: It was very well put together. The climax of the game really hit home, and it felt like you you reviewed the journey you went on very well i'm kind of reminded of in musical theater you have the whole reprise at the end where you go through every song and melody that you had before a bit of a trope over there and i don't think it does a job very well but this what it did the reprise of the mechanics it uh drew the point home
0: yeah i i completely agree and like you said it coming right after the the plot beat where you and uh, Madeline and Badalyn sort of have their confrontation and they sort of reconcile their differences. And the fact that they're working together and you actually get a little level up when they sort of combine their powers and then they start making their way back up the mountain, I thought was uh, poignant in a weird sort of like nerdy tropey way. It really hit home for me.
1: Well, that's a good example of how you can use mechanics to show the narrative to um display the narrative like you come to terms with this other part of yourself this part you've blamed for all of your problems before but you realize there's it's not just like an enemy right there it's not just an antagonist it's something you can draw strength from something you can draw power from and You do that and you get a new ability. You can do this double dash sort of thing in the game now. You can reach places you couldn't go before because you are at peace with yourself. You're more of a whole instead of in conflict with yourself.
2: Yeah. Speaking of this narrative, how did you guys feel about the quote unquote voice acting in here? So... Obviously, there's no voices. You only get like... It's almost like an anime face. And then these weird little squeaking sounds, which I'm sure... will, yeah. Which I'm sure will cue up right here. But I thought that as simple and as weird as it was, it like perfectly displayed emotion. Like you could tell like almost like the quivering lip, like, or I'm afraid, like it, it can, it conveyed so much emotion in such a weird little package. Like it was, it was really cool. I really liked how they did it. What'd you guys think?
0: I liked it too. It reminded me of Banjo Kazooie, um, which is another game that sort of, uh, used the sort of gibberish, uh, voice acting and to great effect. And, you know, each character has their own brand of gibberish and, um, you know, real voice actors are expensive, too. So, like, I totally get why they did this. But it they did it
2: well. <laughs> I liked it better without, because you could almost imagine their voice the way you wanted, and it still conveyed all the emotion. Like, it was it was amazing. Without saying words, you got all the emotion, and you could imagine it. It was almost like still you're still reading a book, almost. You're still doing it your way, but you get the point. It's giving you a hint to what this character should sound like without
0: prescribing it directly.
1: I think it was cartoonish in a way, uh, sort of like the visuals were, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Compared to Banjo-Kazooie, this game definitely did a much better job. I'm thinking in particular of Madeline, um, how she would sound when she was being sarcastic to Theo. (laughs) Versus when she was being anxious and afraid. And the sound effects as maybe primitive as they were compared to a voice actor captured that they captured the essence of that perfectly um i was very satisfied with it
0: yeah it's probably we're talking about a couple of these characters because you know madeline on her way up the mountain does encounter a few characters that have pretty satisfying arcs in their their own um theo is the first one you encounter he's sort of a budding instagram what's he called influencer call it? yeah
1: influencer
2: <laughs> basically he doesn't know what to do with his life
1: those millennials god damn it he has <laughs> kids
2: <laughs>
0: yeah so he uh, you meet him right in the, the first level the forsaken city uh he's on a trip to take photos and he's from seattle so yeah you know draw your own conclusions with what they're trying to portray that way but he's an endearing character too he has a pretty good arc where he you know, at the end of it starts to realize, especially when you get to the later levels like the Mirror Temple, that he's sort of being trapped by this expectation that the social media is placing on him and his life. And that's why all the eyes are on him.
1: I like the Mirror Temple, uh, the part where kind of, it made explicit their fears or failings, however you have it. Um, I did not like the Mirror Temple for the monsters inside of it.
2: No. Anytime something was chasing you, this game pissed me off. Like, it's already hard enough. Don't make things chase me while I'm already trying to do the impossible.
1: It's not like it requires any less of pre- mechanical precision when you're being chased as opposed to some of the other things they're asking you to do. But just thematically, it, my favorite levels were the ones where you didn't have those things chasing you. Like, I think, of, what was it called? Reflections? The one after you fall down out, out of the... Um, Ski, lift, or whatever it is. That was one of my favorite levels. The summit's pretty close right after that, but I felt like those were... It's not like they're asking you to have any less skill. It's just a different feeling when something's coming after you as opposed to when it isn't.
2: Yeah. And getting back to the characters a little bit, too, Like it's worth noting that every single character that you hit going on the way up the mountain has their own little problem. Like Madeline's got her anxiety, and she's got her self-doubt. Theo can't deal with the fact that the people around him are successful and he's not. And he's kind of trapped by, like, he doesn't, he can't keep a job for longer than two weeks because he just, he just feels like he can't live up. And then you get to Mr. Oshiro, who's clearly a person that can't move on. Like, the world has passed him by and things have changed and he can't deal with it and he's just stuck in a rut. I don't know what the old lady's problem is. She's just nuts. She seems kind of zen, honestly. She might just be psycho. She... She is the mountain.
1: She understands the mountain. She's she not the mountain. the mountain, but she understands it. She's, that's why she lives there.
0: Yeah, but aren't the people that are really happy just in self-delusion? <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: Brian the Cynic speaks up for us all. Thank you.
2: <laughs> but I thought it was cool. Like Everybody found a way to deal with their own problems and come out of it better. But they didn't pull the punches like, oh, and everything's fine at the end. Like No, everybody had to have some self-discovery, and it took some hard hits and some truth to get them there. But it kind of showed that no matter what you're going through, if you just stick with it and keep moving on, things are going to be okay.
0: But before we, you know, close out this discussion, we really need to talk about this game's soundtrack uh, by Lena Rain, uh, which is pretty fantastic. You know, it's mostly piano and synth. Uh, But the way that it sort of layers different tracks throughout the levels and sort of layers in additional features as a level goes on, I'm thinking specifically of the second level, uh, the old site where you sort of encounter that dreamscape and it keeps layering different things in until you get into your first chase sequence. And then it uh, sort of goes full bore. I think it's really interesting how Lena was able to sort of build anxiety with her music and sort of... Uh, bolster the themes of this game.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I really like how they... uh, It was very subtle, the whole thing. Uh, You never really had to think about what was going on in the soundtrack, but it always helped lend itself to the emotion of, of the scene yeah
0: it was it really was mood music more than anything and you know it didn't try and take center stage too much throughout the course of the game but it it set the mood pretty much perfectly like i think lena really did a fantastic job with that and this is another one of those put it on while you're studying type of soundtracks you know
2: oh yeah like i never really noticed it until i would notice that i was sitting there bobbing my head like to the jams and like wait a minute i didn't even (laughs) realize i was listening to anything cool but here it is it's actually kind of neat (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, you find yourself, you know, bopping along to it. And I think
0: a lot of elements of this game are like that, you know, like the the art of it. It's a simple pixel art aesthetic, but it's like that new sort of sexy pixel art. I call this the Devolver Digital aesthetic because every game they put out looks like this. Uh, this game is not by Devolver Digital, though. Um, That's next
2: month, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but it does have a really cool like it looks lo-fi, but brand new at the same time. Uh, It's a really cool look, and you can tell that it's, you know, it came out last year, but at the same time, it looks like it could come out on uh, the Pico 8, you know, the fake console that this was quote-unquote designed for.
1: There's been a lot of development in pixel art uh, over the last decade or so. It used to be that that's what the artist had to do, but now when people choose to go with that, they they choose that because they want that look and they can explore the kind of possibilities of pixel art in some greater aspect
2: this will always look the way it looks and it was just it was just an art style it'll look as good today as it does 20 years from now it'll it'll still fit like this was seen as intended it wasn't a delimiting factor like this was as the artist intended and i think it'll last longer because of it
1: i think that's a very true point. That's one of the things I am against in the whole graphical rat race you've got going on with PCs and consoles over there. If your selling point of the game is we have the best graphics and the best visual fidelity, then your selling point is gone in a year because it's no longer the best. Um, Whereas, if you have a more abstracted art style, whether it's through pixel art or cartoons or sprite work or whatever you have you, um, it's not something you're selling it you can have good graphics and a good art style but it's not like you're no longer the most realistic the highest fidelity graphics out there so that's not where you put your development resources
0: yeah right yeah the 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 perfect example of this would be like the way wind wakers graphics have held up versus ocarina's or versus twilight princess or something you know what
1: my perfect example is you guys ever see the movie resident evil the first one
0: I think I think we watched that drunkenly late at night in college.
1: That came out ten years after Terminator 2. And ask yourself which one of those holds it better.
0: Huh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess to your point, it's really about like do you use what you have available to you wisely to execute on your vision versus are you using something for the sake of using it? Anyway, why don't we roll into a few three word reviews? Sure,
2: I'll go first this time. Uh, so my, my three-word review this time is, I hate myself. It was both <laughs> the theme of the game and the thought I was thinking, like literally every moment I was playing it, <laughs> until the end. Um.
1: So Clint, thumbs up or thumbs down? oddly
2: uh, uh, thumbs up so you heard it
0: here first folks hating yourself big thumbs up yeah love
2: that if you
1: guys are looking for the game that just brings home that experience of self-loathing
2: this is it Uh, so the story was so heartfelt that I was able to get past the point that this was just like one of the hardest games for me to, to be ever like we talked about Sekiro before at least that's my style game I can work my way through it I totally missed platforming growing up, so I'm not good at it at all, hence the nine-hour playtime on this game. But I was determined to get through to the end because uh, the emotional story that they bring you through and the parallels that that difficulty brings into that story just made it all worth it. And I loved it, and I hated it. But mainly, I hated myself.
1: All right. My three-word review for this would be micro-level metaphor. The two big things for this would be the micro-levels the small screen of plat- intense platforming action. It would be complicated, but it would be over quickly, or you get to retry at it very quickly. Um, the game required a certain amount of precision, a very difficult amount of precision in your controls, but in that kind of like instant restart of the last two or three seconds of what you were trying to do, there was a kind of forgiveness in that as well. But also the metaphor part of it, the second part of that, is because you're climbing the mountain and you're clearly climbing the mountain but it's also using that as a metaphor for growing within yourself and accepting yourself for who you are as opposed to going against yourself thinking that this part of you is shouldn't really be part of you and you'd be better off without this part but accepting who you are. So the metaphor of the mountain worked really well as an overarching story arc
0: nice yeah my three-word review is a platformer with heart um you know i think this is a obviously this is a very simple game uh people would call it a splatformer right you you die you respawn you try again it's a platformer at its heart but it's matched with a heartfelt and touching story that you don't really find in this genre very often. I think that, one, makes this very special, but two, uh, sort of accentuates what the game is bringing in terms of mechanics. You know, this game keeps introducing new things to you over and over again. Collapsing platforms, conveyor belts, moving platforms, the dream blocks I've talked about, green bubbles, pink clouds, keys, shattering blocks, smashable walls, spikes, springs, wind. There's just a lot at play here. It's a platformer with a lot of hearts, a lot of guts. And it really says a lot, despite saying relatively little in terms of words. Uh, so that's why I call this a platformer with heart.
2: Nice. And I'm assuming you guys were all... Thumbs up based on what you're saying? Thumbs up. Thanks, up thumbs from up me. from me. That's six thumbs up between the three of us. Great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So next month, we're playing Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the necrodancer featuring The Legend of Zelda. Holy shit, that's a mouthful. Uh, we'll stick to calling it Cadence of Hyrule.
1: Much
2: better.
0: At any rate, for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skirsha.
1: I'm Josh Skelecki.
2: And I'm Clint
0: Jones. Take care. And keep on gaming.
1: So when you first meet Badalyn, your alter ego, your pessimistic side of yourself, she tells you, you shouldn't go up this mountain because you're really bad at mountain climbing. You're not a mountain climber, you're not a hiker. And you know what? She's right. I died a hell of a lot going up that mountain. <laughs> so I can't say that that was bad advice at the end of the game.
2: No, she was right a lot of the times. It wasn't that... Uh... She was wrong. It was just that... She was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes... I don't even think she was a yeah. jerk.
1: She was trying to protect you. She's like, no, you're going to die up here. And hell, I think she I had something was like 800, right. deaths.
2: Oh, man. I wish we had our uh, stats. Hold on. Can we all get our switches real quick and come right back? <laughs> it was worse than I thought. Uh, 11 hours and 57 minutes, uh, with 25 strawberries and 2,413 deaths.
1: I ended up beating this game at 6 hours and 15 minutes, 81 strawberries, and this is perfect, guys. I am leet, because I have 1,337 deaths. (laughs)
2: You did that on purpose.
1: Not even.
2: Wow. All right.
0: So I have weird stats because I kept using my same file and played through the game about another half a time, but I'm clocking eight hours and 1,607 deaths uh, with 39 strawberries. So way less than I thought I got.
1: I got Um, more than both (laughs) of you put together.
2: I got the most playtime and the most deaths.